Hello and welcome to Kids' Stuff, a Chucky podcast, a Haunted MTL original podcast. We're back again talking about the Chucky TV show with Season 1, Episode 4, Just Let Go. And my guest this week is a returning guest. It is my wife, Holly Han. How you doing, Holly? Pretty good. I think the listeners might hate you for that one. Well, you know what? That's okay. We're, we're going to have to retire it eventually. <laughs> Never. All <laughs> right. So we're here to talk Chucky Season 1, Episode 4, Just Let Go. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while... Um, we, uh, typically kind of go through, give a brief synopsis of the episode, and then we just kind of discuss what's going on. So, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and start with just a, kind of a summary. Uh, if you want to read a spoiler-free review of the episode, you can go to hauntedmtl.com where I publish my reviews. Otherwise, um, let's go ahead and dive into it. So, this episode, Just Let Go, uh, follows up the fire at the mayor's house in episode three, and leads to many hospitalized children. So Jake arrives conspicuously to check out on what's happened, and he's confronted by Lexi, who is now well aware of Chucky's murderous intentions. So now Jake and Lexi are kind of begrudging allies in the halls of the hospital, uh, as Chucky seems to be prowling, but we also see that Chucky might be two different entities here. Uh, we also have clashing parents... Uh, a very questionable investigative procedure by a detective. And we also have a little bit more of a glimpse into the past of Chucky. So, Holly, what did you think of the episode? It was, it was nice. There was a there were a couple of vindicating moments there. Um, I Hospital episodes are always kind of creepy crawly. It's one of those <laughs> that just kind of gets under my skin a little bit. Um, my main question, is Chucky hospital goth? um yeah so like i do appreciate you know i always appreciate a good hospital story because hospitals are very creepy in general uh this episode definitely borrows heavily from halloween 2 um the uh the original halloween 2 not the halloween kills that just came out recently because that one set almost entirely in a hospital uh but this isn't the first time chucky's been in a hospital either because in child's play he was at the psychiatric hospital and then Cult of Chucky, he was at the uh, another psychiatric uh, psychiatric hospital. So um, Chucky and hospitals are actually kind of a nice combination for horror. They really are. It's kind of like, you know, his playground. Okay. So let's go ahead and start with... You, you talked about vindication. What are you talking about in that regard? Oh, you know, the, the parents getting together and that um, little verbal altercation Mm, okay yeah so let's talk like um we've gotten bits and pieces of the parents here and there but i think this was a very parental heavy episode of the show it was um which is weird because usually the the focus is the kids and the fact that their parents are kind of absentee they're this kind of new generation of latchkey kids yeah there's definitely some uh neglect issues that are going on here like even if it's not like neglecting them uh you know, physically, there's a mental neglect as well. Oh yeah, emotional. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 all over the place, man. But I'm I'm glad that a lot of it got out in the open. Um, we had Jake's uncle, um, kind of Logan. Yes, he was uh, confronted about his pushing on of 
of his hobby onto his kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, you know, and that that's one of those scenes that I really appreciate because uh, the other thing is, like, we get a really good scene with Junior this week. Junior's been a little bit of a cipher to me. Like, I'm not quite sure what his motivations are and everything like that, but they, they do it in such a way in this episode that you totally get what is going on with Junior. Yeah, um, I I love the way that the kid was able to just kind of hold his hold his tone and and i don't know it was just it was good yeah just not like like clearly this uh this track thing that his father is pushing for him is is getting to him and just like the the sense of relief that you hear in uh uh tio briones's voice uh as junior when he's learning about like oh he's not gonna have to run for like a month is really interesting he was stoked right um and you know it's It's nice to kind of get those little moments like that. What I appreciate about this TV show is that we're getting all of these scenes with a large cast now. Now the cast is quite large and we're getting this larger community. And it's fun to kind of just have Chucky as being this little thing in the community that's like tearing it apart. Mm -hmm. He's he's like a little time bomb Mm -hmm. in every little social circle. Mm -hmm. It's great. So, uh, on that note about the parents, um, let, let's talk about that uh, altercation in the hospital hallway. Oh, yeah. Everyone's tea kind of got spilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we're still not quite sure what Brie, uh, what her, her secret is. Like, Chucky's aware of something. We don't know what it is yet. But this episode was doing a lot to kind of point out the kind of abusive aspect of Logan as well. Yeah, he's not just a dad who hands you money to try and fix a problem. No, he's he he's a little scary. Yeah, especially like um, going back to that scene with uh, Logan and Junior, like the Dutch angles. Oh yeah, uh, specifically because that that represents something being off kilter and that sort of thing. It's a common cinematic technique, but every time like Logan was needling Jake or I'm sorry, needling Junior about this thing, like oh you you aren't just doing track because I want you to, right? It's on that off kilter angle, which mm-hmm. it, it's a great little bit of uh, cinematic shorthand. It really was. I also appreciated that right after that conversation, Junior was having a. Um, endoscopy done mm-hmm. to uh, view the inside of his throat. So they had to put that gag on him essentially. So you can see him just like zoning out kind of panicking and he's literally gagged. Mm-hmm. And that's when we see a little surprise go by. Oh yeah. Uh, but before we jump to that reveal, I think I want to go back to the, uh, the parental issues. Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Lexi's parents. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I, I knew that was going to get you going. Okay. So, um, you know, maybe maybe we should back up a little bit from that because they had an interaction with Lexi mm-hmm. outside of Caroline's room that was kind of traumatic on a... Just, I, I just feel, I feel bad for Lexi now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, I've switched it up a little bit. You're team Lexi now? I'm not Team Lexi, but it's... (laughs) It'll happen. It's helping me establish that sympathy that you need for her character. But, um, you know, the the parents leave Carolyn's room and they don't offer any food, which is usually what happens when a family is together visiting someone in the hospital, especially in an emergency like that. They immediately start blaming Lexi for the fire. It's been three hours. I'm sorry. The fire chief hasn't done his report yet. Like... (laughs) Why don't you maybe ask her what happened and how it happened instead of jumping to conclusions? Um, 
you know, her parents call it an accident to the other parents, but they just right out blamed Lexi for it two seconds ago. Right. And, you know, the other thing with that whole interaction is they were coming out of Carolyn's room. Um, like, it, it was almost as if Lexi's parents didn't even know she was there. Yeah, that was really sad. Yeah, there's there's definitely, like, we talk about, like, the abuse of the parents, you know, and this was, is definitely emotional abuse. It was like this deliberate, I'm going to ignore you, you don't exist, which is so harmful. You're an adult, act like an adult. Right. And then, of course, we do have one other parent to discuss. We have Detective, um, ooh, I'm trying to remember her. Evans. Detective Evans, yes. That's right, because her son is Devin Evans. <laughs> um, so, the choice. Uh, yeah, let, let's talk about Detective Evans as a parent before we dive into the whole very questionable police procedure here. But, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I thought it was very, um, uh, it was a tender moment between mom and son in that mm -hmm. hospital room, you know, you can tell that there's a lot of genuine love there. You can tell that Devin looks up to his mom. Not only is he showing that by doing this crime podcast, but just they're not, she's, she's always worried about him and he's always kind of annoyed by that, but mm -hmm. you can tell that there's some genuine love there and there's not a ton of trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know where dad is, but... Right. Well, and it's also one of the healthier relationships depicted in the show. Yeah. It's just all the unhealthy elements are projected outward. Yeah. Um, particularly with uh, Detective Evans's uh, obsession with Jake. Like, at this point, it's kind of comical, I think. It is. It's um, it, it's a little weird. It's it's like, oh, I gotta pin something on this kid. Yeah, and, you know, the, her her main thing is like, okay, the doll is always there. Um, and then at the end of this episode, we get, like, a murder that's very clearly in line with the other murders that have happened so far, but she had Jake with her around the time it happened. Yeah, there so, was no way. Yeah, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how she kind of rectifies that. But, like, it, you have to have that, like, investigative angle, but mm -hmm. also... The way that she's going about it, it's it's like ridiculous, but it, it that's oh, part yeah. of the camp of the the show as oh, well. Definitely, yeah. So so let's talk about the thing that really pissed you off, which was uh, oh the gosh. questioning. Oh my gosh! Okay, so um, we're we're skipping over the mansion exploration part, but mm -hmm. when Lexi and Jake come back from the burned out mansion and they get out of the police car, well, Detective Evans lets them out. Lexi goes in. And as Jake's trying to follow Lexi, she grabs his arm. It's like, uh-uh, you're coming with me. I got to question you. And um, at first, the first time I saw him, like, brutality. No. <laughs> um, like, he's a minor. You you can't touch a minor. Well, we live in California. So we're, mm -hmm. we're like, oh, hell no. Um, but just. But. <laughs> well, even like during the whole episode, we were just like, that's illegal. You can't. No. It's very, very questionable. But. Yeah, but I Googled it. And in New Jersey, where they are, um, a police officer can question a minor without a guardian present. Like. Yeah. And what they say during that interview can be held within a court of law. And that is horrifying. Mm -hmm. um, just because it's. No, right. You, you need you need that parental system there to protect you, and she is 
she's just being very blatant about it, but I guess it's legal where they are. Right. And, you know, when I first watched the episode, like, that that set me off. Like, because I was like, no, no, this shouldn't be a thing. This shouldn't be a thing. So kudos to the writers for actually using, like, New Jersey law in that regard to create a situation that is so goddamn horrific that it, like, inspired righteous anger out of me. <laughs> The um, real horror is reality. Right. Uh, and then, like, the whole interrogation scene itself, like, it's, it's like, psychological torture for poor Jake. Yeah, you can tell during the whole time he's just extremely uncomfortable. She, as, as an officer of the law, she, as a detective, she should have had the ethics to stop and say, okay, we're going to do this later. Yeah, so, like, that, that whole interrogation scene, like, it, it definitely was upsetting it also makes sense, unfortunately, but, um, like, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens between Detective Evans and Jake from here on out because of the way that the facts have changed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the aggressiveness that Jake is receiving from Detective Evans plays into a lot of who the hell is going to believe him about the doll. Right. As Lexi was saying earlier... Like, no one's going to believe me, so I have to stick with you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, like, what might, how might that impact the relationship between Jake and Devin? Because Devin was very clear about, like, watch yourself around my mom. Mm -hmm. And if, if Jake has to be on his toes at all times, anytime he interacts with Devin, like, what chance is there for a relationship? Which is what, what you know, it, it's very obvious it's something that Jake really wants. Like, when they did that, uh, that... Uh, that screen dissolve that showed oh, Devin yeah. in the hospital I was, and Jake kind of like looking wistful. Mm -hmm. I was surprised they didn't do like a, a cloud bubble with little hearts. <laughs> they they totally could have did, uh, done that and that would have fit with the tone of the show because <laughs> um, it, it, it could be very ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, as far as the parental units go, uh, I think this was like an excellent episode for kind of opening up that whole series of things. Like we started getting that in episode three with the uh, the the Guardian conference at the high school. Mm -hmm. But like this episode really kind of opens up the personal dynamics between all the adults. And that's what I was really into when I read the pitch for the show, because the idea is that you have these you have this community and how is Chucky going to shake up that community and we're seeing that play out now um in this episode mm -hmm. heck even the the mayor's husband gets called out for you have to stay at home to be a stay-at-home dad oh yeah and he gets his uh he gets his face punched which was also uh very interesting very, was... it's kind of it's for me it's kind of like vengeance for his character in cult of chucky because it's the mm -hmm. same actor uh michael thoreau i think Theralt, um, he plays the psychologist who was abusing Nika in Cult of Chucky, and like he dies and everything. But <laughs> I just, I still like seeing the same guy get punched. Um, Fair so, enough. Yeah, um, that, that that's a nice little treat for the fans. So let's talk about the changing dynamics of the kids here, because like the kids are our central characters of the show. Mm -hmm. um, so we have that reveal where. You know, it's obvious, you know, at the end of the third episode that Lexi was going to find out Chucky's real. Mm -hmm. She knows he's real. Um, let's talk about her con uh, confrontation with Jake. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, totally justified on her part. Mm -hmm. um, and that just makes you so mad, doesn't it? It does. Because, <laughs> I mean, no, obviously no one deserves to be, you know, had harm brought upon them. But 
I mean, she's just like, you were, you wanted to kill me? Well, yeah, honey, do a little self-examination. You were a bit of a, of a charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, but you know, also like Jake's a bad guy. Oh, totally. Jake's totally a bad guy here. Yeah. Um, no, he, he almost crossed the line to something you can't take back. Right. And what, uh, well, and I mean, he, he ended up crossing the line because Oliver oh, died. Oliver. Yeah. yeah. You know, kid couldn't act, but he was, he was a nice kid. You know, while we're talking about Oliver, um, dude, that autopsy report was speedy. Mm-hmm. Like, like within a few hours, like, no, he didn't die from the fire. He was murdered. Well, it'd, it'd be like finding a, a overly roasted baguette with a bunch of holes in it. You can, <laughs> you, 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 you can, you can figure out like, okay, well, clearly there was some stabbing going on here. No, that's, that's fair. It just like the, the Emmy got it done. And detective Evans is like, let me just tell everybody and he the, was murdered. And then like, I, I don't know if she should have revealed it to Devin. Yeah. It, it seemed like way too... Again, like as much as I like Detective Evans as a character, I, I see some real like procedural issues involved with everything she's doing. Yeah, especially as a, as a detective, I watch enough Criminal Minds that to know that <laughs> you know they don't want to bring that stuff home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's it it was a big you know choice on her part mm-hmm. to be like, oh hey buddy, by the way, here let me just inflict a little more trauma on you when we're in our safe space. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then also, you know, if we're getting back to, like, Jake and Lexi, like, the the whole team-up of them going into the mansion is just, like, one of my favorite bits in the show so far. I, I love these two uh, teenagers together as just, like, foils to one another. Um, but, you know, there's even some, like, common ground when they both talked about, like, so so Jake's taking uh, some medications. I don't remember what he said they were exactly. No, but Lexi recognized it immediately and mm-hmm. said, um, is it for anxiety or depression? both <laughs> and then there's that moment where he uh you know he talks uh, about how he hasn't been happy in a long time and she's like yeah uh, she mm-hmm. she's in the same boat so you have these kids who are like very deeply damaged mm-hmm. and i you know we live in a culture now where it's it's encouraged to talk about these things so at least there's some some hint of there well there is a hint of normalcy to it mm-hmm. and i don't think there should be but it's nice to know that Oh, she gets it. Either mm-hmm. she gets it or she's a pill popper. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, you know, the, the other thing is during that big reveal when they find the burned up, uh, like one of the best burned versions of Chucky I've ever seen because he's like half melted. That was great. Um, but there's a, there's a point where she kind of fall. Okay, so the mansion's clearly been burned in a fire. So it's very unsteady, unstable. The balls on these kids, like <laughs> the house is crying as it's creaking, dude. Like, don't go up those stairs. Right. So so naturally she ends up falling off of the second floor balcony in a confrontation with Jake. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like a physical comp- uh, confrontation. It was a verbal one. But she falls over the balcony. Uh, Jake manages to catch her. And then you've got this wonderful scene where she's dangling and Jake has a literal choice between saving her life or killing her by letting her fall to the ground where Chucky's going to get her. Um, and that's where we get that uh, title, Just Let Go. Because yeah. it's Chucky telling Jake, hey, no, just just let her go. Mm-hmm. And during Chucky's little monologue there, I mean, it wasn't too long, but dude, it, the upper body strength. <laughs> right, yeah. The core, <laughs> the core strength of these kids is impressive. It, it's one of those things that you get with like campy shows like that. There's mm-hmm. some there's some stuff that's just like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense, or that's not real, or that's not supposed to happen. There were a few like, mm-hmm. okay, let's try it at this angle, let's try it at this angle, and it, it 
was almost cinched together in a very Power Rangers 1995 kind of way. Yeah, um, I, I could see that. Yeah, but I mean, it was it, just, man, um, well, just we'll, pull her up, dude. Um, we'll, we'll talk about one of my favorite, like, campier moments in a, in a minute, but let, let's talk about uh, now Devin being on board with knowing about chucky like he, oh, yeah. he doesn't really know for sure until the end of the episode but he kind of starts piecing things together because of the questions about the good guy doll from his mom oh yeah um he does a, a good google search of what's going on and we see all those little ser- um, search suggestions pop up and he's he's piecing it together um and when he finally does he's just you you know when you're that one true crime nerd and you find out something in your town is a little <laughs> bit famous, you get, you get that look in your eye? Mm-hmm. He's got that look in his eye. Now, now uh, there, there's two things with that. Number one, when he starts talking to Lexi about that, he's like, what, you didn't know? That's like, dude, you just found out about this ten minutes ago. Right? The, the other thing is, if Charles Lee Ray is such a big serial killer and this kid is obsessed with serial killers and true crime, why does he not know about Charles Lee Ray until now? Right. So that's one of those little weird uh, inconsistencies here, because apparently if it's an urban legend, uh, like, the you know, and the urban legend is, like, frighteningly accurate to the events, which is even crazier. Like, everybody, like, there's this urban legend about a serial killer who puts his body or his soul into this doll, and, like, it's just known and out there on the internet. So it seems a little overly convenient that Devin is just, just now learning yeah. that. Yeah, that is, it is a little convenient. It might also be like niche knowledge, you know, um, mm. uh, I, I don't know, like, you know about the Loch Ness Monster and you know about Aleister Crowley, but it takes a little bit of digging to understand that Aleister Crowley might be the cause of the Loch Ness Monster. All right, we're, we're getting, we're getting too deep here, but, <laughs> but no, but I, I, I see where you're going with there, but if we're looking at the setting, like, Charles Lee Ray would be a huge, huge deal in yeah. this setting. Especially, I mean, his gravestone is right there. They're not trying to hide it. Yeah. I, so I think it's a little bit of a contrivance for, you know, for plot and reveal's sake. But there you go. Uh, speaking of reveal, though, let's talk about what uh, we were. We brought this up earlier. But what was it that Junior saw as he was dozing off from the Oh, drugs? my gosh. Um, you see this little red wig go by. And right when he's gagged and he can't do a darn thing about it, it just zooms right by. So we might have confirmation there's two Chuckies. Yeah, we we get a couple of scenes in this episode that um, imply that there's a couple of Chuckies in this area running around. Because there's the one Chucky who was at the mansion. Mm -hmm. And then you seem to have a couple of scenes uh, with uh, Chucky doll within the hospital. Uh, you have a moment where one of the dolls, uh, if it is two dolls, where one of the dolls is sneaking around. We get that, like, Chucky's eye view. We also have him running by Junior. But we also get a scene where um, Detective... Uh, no, not Detective Evans. Detective oh, Peyton. That uh, who, who will talk about Detective Peyton. But where Detective Peyton has the burned-out Chucky doll in the hospital, and yet we see another Chucky running around, and the one... Uh, and, and unplugs Caroline's uh, life support. What is that thing? Oh, it was a ventilator. A ventilator, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I haven't worked in the medical industry, so. Um, but yeah, so like the implication seems pretty clear that like okay, there are a couple Chuckies running around, mm-hmm. um, which is fascinating to me. But then there's also that kid and his mom. 
Okay, yeah, let's talk about the, the kid and his mom. What do you think's going on there? Do we need to put on our tinfoil hats for this one? Uh, I don't need to, but if you want to <laughs> if, if make that fashion choice, go ahead. I'm, I'm concerned, man. What if, what, if they're, what if the cult is active? Okay, okay, well, maybe I'll just make a little tiny tinfoil hat, you know. <laughs> so, um, okay, so I see where you're going with, with the, uh, what if the cult is active. Go ahead and tell us what you're saying, though. Well, I mean... There are mythos around serial killers. You see it with, well, I mean, technically Charles Manson. You see it with a lot with Ted Bundy, like when Netflix did that thing and it was the guy from High School Musical. Uh-huh. All yeah. the girls were swooning on the Facebooks about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's this enamored crowd that does follow them. So what if what if they're all starting to congregate in Hackensack? Well, and let's talk about what was the situation with this lady. So we have this mother, uh, and the first time we see her is when a ball rolls, uh, like in The Shining, the ball rolls and hits Jake's foot, and she comes and grabs the ball, and she's a redheaded woman. And then later, we see this woman sitting there with a baby on her lap who happens to be wearing a striped shirt and blue overalls. Yeah, that was weird. So I think... I think what this is, is this is just the show kind of playing with, like, the uncanny element. uh, (laughs) Playing with, like, I I don't think there's anything of significance to it just yet. I mean, if we see her again, then I'll think otherwise. But just kind of playing on, like, the paranoia of what's going on, I think it's just, like, a coincidence that's that's supposed to make us feel unsettled. That's fair. I mean, the, the setting does a lot to help with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like the decor of the hospital. You and yeah. I were talking a lot about that. Yeah. There's these, um, you know, three foot high lights everywhere. And I was like, oh, maybe those are like, you know, sanitizer, UV lights or something. No, it's just like lighting choice. Yeah. And then you have that very uh, ominous backlit crucifix with a <laughs> red light. Right. It's all very like Hollywood Boulevard Vegas trash. Yeah, and then like, you know, I, I've talked about this in a couple of my reviews is like the the Giallo and De Palma influences in the show, like specifically with the coloration of the hospital, because I've never seen a hospital like that before. It's n- never seen a hospital that colorful. Now, the, the Giallo technique is where you, you saturate the shot with color. To create that atmosphere, yeah. In a few in a few giallo films, yeah, it's 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 kind of just that idea of like using heavy heavy coloration, creating a dominant mood with color and that sort of thing. I think um, they do a good job. Yeah, like I I, I I think Chucky is like one of the best looking shows out there, um, as far as horror goes. Like I think it looks even better than the latest American Horror Story. Yeah, it's well that we don't need to turn our TV brightness up all the way for that one. Yeah, that's American true. Horror Story. Yeah, that is true. Another thing that I appreciate about it is, um, well, let's talk about the death of uh, Detective um, Peyton. <laughs> let's talk about the style going on there. Um, you know, Dave asked me earlier if I thought it was, you know, deserved because he's kind of an asshole. I think in this universe it it is. Yeah, you steal food from a sick child. Dude, oh my god. You know, and it's funny I'm because so mad. we've we've not spent a whole lot of time with this character and he doesn't seem like any more of a jerk than anybody else. But you know, by the time he dies, you, you kinda hate him because of that whole food thing. Right? You don't Sir, there are no other nurses in there. Why are you going into a, a female child's room 
And what you're, I mean, okay, you're delivering the doll, but you're hanging out and you're stealing her get well food. Like, what is wrong with you? I think the hospital needs a policy review regarding, like, visitation and everything it like that. It really does. But uh, specifically, um, okay, so his brutal, uh, his murder is uh, extremely brutal. Like, one of, oh, my, yeah. one of my absolute favorites so the, far. The sound engineering alone on when that goes in just... Oh, yeah. So, like, when Chucky throws the scalpel at his back and then he falls backwards onto the scalpel and... It's a two-part noise that, mm-hmm. like, it goes... I I can't just... Just y'all go back and listen to it, but... Oh, it's effective. But it, but it has this wonderful moment where the detective's like, oh, my God, I can't move. And then Chucky comes down and he goes, that's because I hit your spinal cord. And so great. <laughs> like, I, I, like, laughed really hard the first time I saw that because that's just such a perfectly wonderful little Chucky attitude to this whole thing. Right. But the murder doesn't stop there. <laughs> so um, Chucky grabs a bunch of syringes, which, by the way, scalpels and syringes made up the title card for this week. Which is great. <laughs> but um, Chucky proceeds to grab a fistful of syringes and just starts pummeling and stabbing Detective um, What's-His-Face to death. <laughs> Detective What's-His-Face, yes. But we don't spend a lot of time with him. We so don't, I'm not, I don't, yeah. I'm not going to try to learn his name. <laughs> but um, uh, just like, it was such a beautifully, like, awful, ridiculous murder. And I really appreciate the creep show cuts in that whole sequence. The very kind of like rapid cuts between like close-ups of different parts of the body. Um, Just bleeding out. Yeah, and let's talk about like one of, like we were talking about camp, but let's talk about one of the campiest things in the episode where he uh, bleeds from under his fingernails. Oh my god. There is nothing. We looked it up. What makes you bleed from under your fingernails? And nothing. Just... Nothing. Now, now, see, my theory is is that as Chucky was stabbing him, he was injecting him full of air and it caused blood vessels to burst. But apparently, I'm just making stuff up here. Well, I mean, the syringes were already down and he doesn't have the thumbs to do it. I used to phlebot. I know these things. <laughs> is that the term phlebot? Yeah. When you're, when you're a phlebotomist for a little bit, you phlebot. Yeah, the... Um just the the bleeding out of the fingernails it's just it's so it's so goofy uh i absolutely love it it was it was great it 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 gave you you know this cringe up up your spine i can't even describe it it just makes me feel uncomfortable david <laughs> <laughs> well let's go a little more uncomfortable let's talk about like the flashback to young charles lee ray oh my gosh that that had a lot i that had a lot to it i really liked it mm-hmm. um it was creepy, it was retro, it was fun. Um, there were a couple moments where I was like, oh, this reminds me of, like, so-and-so from Last Podcast on the Left. Mm. Yeah, so um, I, I admit that I did have some reluctance to the idea of them going back and kind of explaining Charles Lee Ray and everything like that. And, like, I do have a little bit of that reluctance, but overall I'm just very happy with where they're going with it. Um, so l- let's talk about the big reveal of his childhood friend oh my god yeah because the minute the minute that happened i just like i popped for that one i had like an audible yeah um so while chucky is in the boys home or i'm sorry charles lee ray is in the boys home he's hanging out with a bunch of the little kids there and one of the kids you find out by the end of the episode is eddie caputo eddie caputo who if you've not followed the child's play series was in the first film he was kind of murdered unceremoniously through a house explosion. Um, 
But he was... He was uh, murdered by the house. Yeah, he, he was Charles's uh, partner in crime for a long time. And we see that Charles was like the older brother who looked over him. And that was not a good thing. Yeah, it gave me like instant deja vu. Because I'm like, didn't somebody in history actually like groom up their their partners like this right so while these aren't you know like direct references the young charles lee ray sequence evokes a lot of like killers of the 1970s in particular i kept thinking of elmer wayne henley or uh david owen brooks so so these were uh kids who helped serial killer uh dean coral kill multiple boys around like 1970 1973 but like you get to the idea of like charles lee ray sounds a lot like elmer wayne henry uh henley Wait, wasn't Dean Coral the one who worked in the chocolate factory? Yes, there's bones in the chocolate. There's bones in the chocolate. <laughs> so yeah, um, so so Dean Coral uh, was famous for murdering a bunch of boys in Texas in like the early 1970s, and he was assisted in this by Elmer Wayne Henley and David Owen Brooks. And while this uh, this Charles Lee Ray backstory here isn't a one-to-one comparison it definitely evokes that kind of like sinister thing especially when they do all the the peter pan imagery and references oh yeah um and you know it's also a great kind of character development bit for charles because um charles we've noticed and i think they also mentioned this in chucky vision as well which is a great podcast um you know be sure you listen to it on spotify um there's that idea that like chucky doesn't really follow through on his plans yeah, he, he gets distracted by shiny things. Yeah, like, he, he's brilliant, but, you know, there's always something that kind of, like, throws him off of his mission. Mm-hmm. So we get that in the flashback because, it, it, I don't know, it seemed to me pretty clear that Charles was going to go kill the, the matron of the boys' school. Yeah, it definitely seemed like it. Um, she, you know, she said the wrong thing and it he had that little flash of, oh, well, she's going to die. But before he managed to do that, janitor pissed him off so charles like he he gets distracted he changes his goal and he kills the janitor and then he uses the janitor to kind of initiate the boys into seeing like any of them if any of them have the quote like guts Mm -hmm. for this sort of thing i mean along with detective peyton the janitor was kind of a dick yeah yeah we we only (laughs) met the janitor all of like 30 seconds but yeah it was an asshole but if you're gonna work in a kid's home Mm mm-hmm like, expect kid things to happen. Also, mm-hmm. don't mop on the kid's only pair of shoes. Right. When you work in an orphanage, you piece of shit. <laughs> well, and then, um, you know, the, when we get to the end of the, the Chucky flashback, we um, we see that, like, Charles is leaving after the, the body is found. Like, no one puts two and two together yet. But he gives, um, he, he, he gives Eddie Caputo a gift. Oh, God. <laughs> what, what was that gift? It was the janitor's right hand. <laughs> uh, and it, it, it also tellingly, it had like that little fish hook on it, you know, because they were doing the whole, um, that fish hook tattoo, because they were doing the whole Captain Hook, Peter Pan thing, which yeah. was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I think um, as, as long as they're kind of keeping up the quality, I, I have my reservation still about giving too much of Charles Lee Ray's backstory, but I, I appreciate the fact that they're just making him an irredeemable bastard. Yeah. Because I was worried that we were going to have to, like, find sympathy with him. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, he's done so many terrible things. I don't know if he's redeemable at this point. But but let's talk about that kid who played uh, Charles Lee Ray. That kid, I believe it was, um, ooh, what was his name? 
Sorry, I got to pull up IMDb. IMDb. No. Ah, man, I forget the name of the kid. What a pain. Um, I haven't written my review somewhere, but yeah, let's talk about that kid. You tell me what you thought about that kid's performance. Um, look. He reminds me a lot of Evan Peters, just, you know, the face. Um, obviously, you can't help that. But um, just they, they cast somebody who gives off that kind of menacing quality. Um, he reminded me of a young Charles Manson. Um, but he definitely seemed like he could play Evan Peters' brother in one of the American Horror Stories. Mm -hmm. Okay, that actor was Tyler Barish. So uh, oh, okay, if Tyler Barish does listen to this, I think he did a great job. I saw that video of um, uh, uh, Fiona Dorif like coaching you on how to do the laugh, and I think he did oh, a great was, job. That was great. Yeah. Um. Well, I've been enjoying all these like little behind the scenes glimpses of the show. It's been great. It's uh, especially for you know keeping the anthology of Chucky, you know, going because, you know, with older movies, sometimes it's hard to collect everything and keep the legacy alive. Mm -hmm. And they're doing a good job with this. Mm -hmm. So were there any, did you have any other thoughts or observations on the episode? Uh, just a, a couple of my, my weirdisms. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's what we're calling them. Your weirdisms. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's good to finally um, have a name to put to those things. Well, like little nitpicky things like, um, Caroline, or not Caroline, I'm sorry, uh, Lexi, when they leave the hospital to go to uh, Lexi's burned out mansion, and she's like, ugh, I need a shower, and then they pull up, and she's in a completely different outfit. I'm like, honey, first of all, you can't have a shower at your burned out mansion. Where'd you get the change of clothes? <laughs> um, just because, you know, the fire was the center sparking point, there would be nothing left. So unless, like, you know, she had some clothes in the laundry or something. Well, I I don't even know because it doesn't explain it and she's just in a whole new outfit. Right, and how did she have the clothes before she even went back into the mansion? I Maybe she took them on the way out, like if they were like somewhere else or like in a in a laundry room. I don't know. Yeah, like I'm sure there's probably an explanation. <laughs> like at, at this point, I don't care. <laughs> I, I know you don't, but as a, as a lady, I'm just like, what? Well, I mean, because... Where'd she have time to change? When you watch shows like this, there's things that you just kind of like, you know, whatever. Yeah, you have that suspension of disbelief, for sure. Yeah, like with the, the, the bleeding fingernails. <laughs> yeah, uh, like the the bleeding fingernails, her having a new change of clothes, same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you notice when uh, Jake and Lexi were going up the stairs, they paused for a moment at the pictures. Mm hmm and I think they might be all pictures of Caroline or Caroline and her parents. Like, I realize Lexi's, you know, white and blonde, and mm -hmm. it might have been her younger, but it seemed like it was just all Caroline. Yeah, I know that there was one picture she was looking at in particular, because um, they, they pause on that that for a moment, and I think that was definitely Caroline. Yeah. And it, it's definitely kind of a reflection of, like, uh, Lexi's guilt and everything like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um Oh gosh. Uh so I did have a, a a question about uh with Chucky. If there's multiples of Chucky, how many times has his soul split? Did he Voldemort himself? So as far as where we left off with Cult of Chucky as far as the soul splitting goes, there was the bride slash seed of Chucky that was found um in Andy's closet mm -hmm. um or his little safe from uh uh, oh god, what was that? Yeah, it was Seed of Chucky. And then in Seed of Chucky, you have Nika, who is now inhabited by the soul of Charles Lee Wright. Oh my gosh, that's right, because they made out and it was really hot. <laughs> um, you also have um, 
you have two other dolls that were there. There was a third one, um, but that one was killed by Andy because Andy had smuggled him him in with the gun. That had that really gross scene where Andy like reaches into the doll and pulls out that meaty gun. Oh yeah, that's right. But as, yeah, as far as the other two Chucky dolls that we've seen confirmed, we had one that was missing an arm. And then we had uh, another one that was in pretty good shape. So I'm wondering if this Chucky that, well, he was in pretty good shape until like the mansion burned down <laughs> in the TV show. Um, so let's see, between one, two, three, four, there's probably about four or maybe five Charles Lee Ray soul split clones or whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, the, there, there, there's about four or five of them running around so far, but we, we just don't know. Um I, I have a theory. I have a theory about where this is going, but I don't want to talk about that just yet. I would are like are to... the kids going to go camping in the woods looking for Horcruxes? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Um, it's not as bad as Harry Potter. Oh, fuck! Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I kid, I kid. The first few Harry Potter books and movies were good. We, we can't talk about Harry Potter because I'm just going to start getting mad. Yeah, we'll do a Harry Potter cast. Harry Potcast. There we go. Um, <laughs> but no, um, I, I think at this point it seems pretty clear to me that there are multiple Chuckies, and it may also kind of explain Chucky's different attitudes that he shows in the first three episodes. Um, you know, you might have an impatient Charles Lee Ray that may have been the one to hit Jake, where you have the more like catches flies with honey Chucky who's more sympathetic oh, towards Jake. Oh, shoot. You know, and then when Chucky is up there in the uh, room reading Jake's diary and says, no, nah, I didn't kill the housekeeper, like, that's entirely possible. It could have been another Chucky that did that. Yeah. Oh, shoot. That's... Oh, God. That's so, horrifying. Yeah, so I think we're about an episode away from having a meeting of multiple Chuckies, and I am very curious how far they're going to go with this. It's like a Justice League of Chuckies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm very excited about the possibility of multiple Chuckies, and I think this episode, we can say, totally confirms there's two of them. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm willing to put, like, hard money on that. Yeah, no, that was, that was great. Mm -hmm. um, I, I appreciate the mindfuckery. Oh, um, how many Chuckies did you see posted with Don Mancini? Okay, so, um, this, uh, there is a behind-the-scenes photo of Don Mancini standing amongst a whole group of Chucky dolls. We don't know if they're all the different dolls used for the production shoot, or if they may represent how many Chuckies are going to be in the show. Now, I didn't see the picture. Was it like Don in the middle and then all the Chuckies behind him, like that one meme? Uh, they were surrounding him. Yeah, so like that one meme. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a behind the scenes photo with with a show like this. You've got to have multiple Chucky models. You have to have multiple Chucky dolls. Oh yeah. You know, each one has a certain function. You've got like the general animatronic one, but you have a one that may have like a stabbing motion. You have mm -hmm. the one that you got to melt. Yeah. <laughs> so, you have to have extra of all of these too. So mm -hmm. I completely understand. It might just be like these are the backups that they have for the show, but also it might mean like. What if what if Tiffany set loose like twenty versions on the streets, man? Yeah, and yeah, I, I think the reason why I think we're gonna end up getting a whole bunch of them is because like clear back in Child's Play Two, um, Don Mancini was thinking about having like a whole bunch of Chuckies. Like he wanted to do that as far back as Child's Play Two. How great would it be though, it from Charles's perspective, like his legacy living on through just multiple Chuckies in different cities, just wreaking havoc 
all the time. Well, and you know, the other thing I'm thinking about is like, if he can split his soul so much, like, why is he always going for a Chucky doll? And I think it's just because he likes the aesthetic of it at this point. He like, knows it's just creepy enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just benign enough to get in the door. But it, but it makes you wonder, like, what happens if Charles decides, okay, well, I want to branch out a little bit here, you know? So my 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 big theory is that we're going to have probably... I'm going to I'm going to guess at least 8 or more Chucky dolls um by the end of the season. The Council of Chucky. Yeah, I I well, I mean they they're setting up that cult of Chucky, you know what I mean? So, um I I think by the I think a great hook for the first season at the end is just this reveal of like eight different Chucky's kind of like, "All right, so what's next?" <gasps> oh my god. Right? Um That's and so terrifying. Yeah, I I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we might get an episode that shows that, that if there is another Chucky, I think it would be neat if we got an episode from that other Chucky's perspective on some of the events. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Like I, the, the cool thing about the show is I can think of like so many things that could potentially happen. And the fact is that they like, they can potentially happen because the series has done weird stuff like that before. Right. Well, like, so we know that Andy has to keep Chucky's the, the Chucky that he has the head is kept like in a locked safe. Mm-hmm. So what would God? What would Andy need security wise if he was able to get a hold of all of these and finally like lock them away or destroy them somehow? I I don't know like what kind of machine like like a hydraulic press maybe. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just can looking... we see Chucky on the hydraulic press YouTube channel? Shout out <laughs> there hydraulic we go. press YouTube channel. Yeah, that would be fun. Like I'm looking for like because if we're gonna get a bunch of Chuckies that show up in the show by the end of the season, that means that we're gonna get a bunch of Chuckies getting fucked up in a lot oh, of different yeah. ways. And that has always been the highlight of the show for uh, the that's series. A, that's for always me. pretty fun. It's just like how many different ways can we totally brutalize this doll? And it doesn't hit as hard like when Chucky sticks his hand into that bucket of needles it's like oh it's okay it's not gonna hurt him Mm -hmm. but if if it were an actor to do that i would cringe and just like puke Mm -hmm. a little bit in my mouth (laughs) but um yeah so i'm like i gotta say i am really enjoying the ride on this show so far it's gone beyond my expectations and i think it might be the start of a beautiful friendship (laughs) uh friends to the end ha 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 no um I think it might be the start of seeing some other, like, familiar slasher franchises kind of looking towards serialized storytelling yeah. in such a way. Because if, if it's working for Chucky, I could totally see it working for, like, Freddy Krueger. Um, you know, like, last year I uh, wrote down that big thing about a Friday the 13th television series. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. But, um, you know, I'm just... There's a lot of good stuff going on here, and I think it's going to have a nice profound effect on the horror TV landscape. Mm-hmm. I hope so, because it's how many times have you wanted a horror movie to come out? But it story-wise, it makes sense for it, but for the audiences in general, it doesn't do so well, mm. um, and it kind of kills the franchise. And if TV is able to bring it back. Hell yeah, we need more horror. Well, and the, the the amount of work that this show is doing for its franchise is very impressive. It is. Um, you know, like, you know, it's it's so cool to just have Brad Dorif on week to week mm-hmm. doing those Chucky lines. But also like seeing Chucky pop up more um mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Actually, we had a we had a pretty cool 
um, event where we saw a lot of Chucky merch this oh, okay. past weekend. Yeah, so I think we can kind of start wrapping up here. So we'll, we'll give a little update about like what we were doing and everything like that. Because I, I was wearing my Chucky shirt, right? Yeah, you were. I had my Chucky shirt and then I had my Universal Monsters button-up t-shirt over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, last Saturday we were at the Victorville Scare Fair um, in Victorville, California, the high desert. You know, it took us like maybe an hour and 20 minutes to get out there. Yeah, it was at the San Bernardino County, uh, County Fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went there to see Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy the Mail Girl from Hell yeah. Yep, from the last drive-in. And, you know, if if you know that adage like never meet your heroes? Aw. That comes from people who don't have good heroes. Joe Bob Briggs was an absolute joy. He was such a lovely man. Mm-hmm. Darcy's fantastic, so it was very nice. It was like a bucket list thing, you know? Yeah. It was great. They were dressed up like uh, Beetlejuice and Lydia in mm-hmm. the wedding scene. Mm-hmm. Um it was, oh God, it was great. Yeah, but it, it was a, like a small little horror convention. But, you know, I like that. I like that it was a smaller group, a little more focused. Met some uh, cool people. Talked to, I, I ended up buying like a couple of shirts. I shouldn't have, but I ended up doing that. <laughs> but they look so good on you. Yeah, I ended up getting a Halloween shirt. And then I also ended up getting, like Halloween the franchise, Michael Myers. And then I also ended up getting a Suspiria t-shirt, which I never thought I would be able to get anywhere. I got an Aleister Crowley t-shirt because... Mr. Crowley! That was great. Mm-hmm. What did you say to the to the salesman when uh, I questioned whether I should get it or not? I don't recall. <laughs> you called him a power bottom. That was great. Oh, yeah. It's the world's most notorious power bottom, yes. uh, Aleister Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was nice to go out there and, and talk with other horror fans. Of course, there was like some good guy merch out there. There was a Chucky oh, yeah. doll that I saw and I wanted, and I was like, I can't afford it. The but. doll was pretty cool. Yeah, it's um, like the like the actual size. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, with the uh, the box and everything, um, that was actually by a company like that's so nineties, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or, um, gosh, I'm sorry, you you can find it out there. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was a lot of like independent makers out there too who had a lot of uh, just their own stylized Chucky merch from mm-hmm. pins to shirts to bows to buttons. Um, anything a horror nerd could want, really. It was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, I go there and I talk to people and set up interviews. So I think after I'm done editing this episode, I'm going to spend an hour just kind of going through the contact list and getting all that going. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of cool people. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to take up a ton of their time, obviously, because mm-hmm. they're there to sell. Um, you know, you've done conventions for your own stuff, so you know. Oh, yeah. But um, just getting in, getting in contact with, like, all of these people around us is pretty awesome and uh maybe maybe they're watching the chucky show too Mm -hmm. yeah so you know it's not just all about the chucky show for us here we're kind of a horror household (laughs) so um not to be confused with a whore household which we're all for as well i think dolly parton made a movie about that (laughs) um so yeah okay i think uh i think we got a good episode out of this do you have any final thoughts anything that you'd like to share aside from your addiction to animal crossing Hey, now, you said you wouldn't call me out on it. Oh, I lied. Yeah, I want to get back to decorating. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, um, no, it was um, it was a good episode. Lexi made me not hate her so much. Uh, there was a lot of um, sympathy for the devil, if you will. <laughs> uh, but no, they, they did a good job of, like, letting you know kind of what she's going through. And there's there's that sympathy buildup for her. Mm-hmm. Um Hopefully Jake won't murder anybody now that he knows like he's not like Chucky. So we're 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 seeing the turn now where it's going to be the kids against him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, what I want to do before we kind of sign off here, I want to mention that the opening theme to the show has changed because American copyright law is awful. So Boo. yeah, so I had that wonderful theme that was uh, mixed by Deft Beck. I can't use that one anymore because it kind of may violate fair use because we don't want to get sued. Yeah, so that that's a new theme. Um, but you know, it is what it is. With that said, if y'all need anything mixed, you should hit up Deft Beck because mm-hmm. he's great. Um, It'd be he- at Deft underscore Beck on Twitter. I thought there was no underscore. There is no underscore. Just yes. D-E-F-T-B-E-C-K? Yes. yes. Yeah. No underscore on that. i got to keep reminding myself of that. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, also, I'm hoping to get a, another movie episode. I, I have my guests lined up. It's just the week-to-week of getting an episode out for the TV show has been an issue, especially, like, getting guest scheduled because everybody has busy personal lives yeah um but i do have a lineup of guests scheduled for the rest of the movie episodes in case you hate me oh no everybody loves you (laughs) um but yeah uh so we're gonna continue doing the um week to week with the tv show i'm hoping that maybe next week i can get child's play three out there um i already have the guests lined up for that but in the meantime um I, I hope you're enjoying the show. The feedback has been great. People have been uh, letting me know that they're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to shout out uh, Supernatural Selection. Uh, that is my friend Kevin Heyman's podcast. He goes by Kevin the Bastard. He is a bastard. <laughs> no, he's a lovely person. He really is. Um, he recently uh, was at the Natchez Bigfoot Birthday Bash in Mississippi. Um, Sounds amazing. Right. And we were. Pr- uh, he was promoting the third episode of the three-part series on the falc monster the legend of boggy creek uh that i actually wrote for his podcast and uh, everybody who's listened to the episode has really enjoyed it so i'm very proud of what we did there um like he and i are both like passionate passionate nerdy fans of the legend of boggy creek um you know we love the music we love everything about it so we were happy to do this three-part series Mm -hmm. on it Probably more information about Boggy Creek than anyone <laughs> needs to know. It, it's a lot of fun, though. Like, you, you guys are able to go through the story pretty well. And since Kevin kind of lives in that area, he gives a really good insight to, like, what the atmosphere is like down there. Yeah, he, he helps the confused Californian understand things. <laughs> um, so, um, that being said, yeah, definitely look up Supernatural Selection. You can find it at SupernaturalSelection.com, uh, I believe. Or you can find it on... Uh, uh, Spotify, amazing podcast. If you enjoy my voice, which I don't know why you would, um, you can always find me. I'm on like half of the episodes of that show. It's fantastic. <laughs> you are. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that being said, please check out Supernatural Selection. Other than that, I think we are pretty much good here. So, uh, thank you for joining us with, uh, Kids' Stuff, a Chucky podcast. And be sure to check out all the cool articles and reviews over at hauntedmtl.com. And with that being said, keep it creepy. Creep it, creep it steepy? <laughs> oh, no. I got, I got mixed up, David. That's all oh, right. No. Let's just close it now. Okay. Bye, guys. You have been listening to Kids' Stuff a Chucky podcast, a Haunted MTL original podcast. 
Our theme is Pop Goes the Weasel by Kevin McLeod. You can find more of Kevin McLeod's music at incompetech.filmmusic.io. If you want to find out more about me, the podcaster, you can just go to hpkomics.com, hpcomics.com, or you can find me on the socials at hpkomic. For more great horror content, do not forget to visit hauntedmtl.com.